programs where you can pay so much a month and adopt a kid um, to help them get fed a good meal every day. So the kids have a lot to learn today and we're excited about it. And let me pray over the offering and then y'all can come on up. Lord, I just thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for the opportunity to serve you here and around the world either by going or by giving in order to send those who are willing to go and able to go. So we thank you for it, Lord. We thank you for the offering for BGMC today, but we also thank you, Lord, for the missions offering and tithe offering that will happen later, Lord, and that you would bless it abundantly that your kingdom would come here on earth as it is in heaven. In the name of Jesus, amen. Y'all come.
Amen. Thank you for giving to BGMC this morning. That money goes all over the world. Think about it. That little pocket change you just pulled out and threw in there and those dollar bills that fell all over the place when I threw it down there. goes all over the world to help missionaries reach the lost. Isn't that, isn't that special? Amen. Welcome this morning. We're glad you're here. How many of you had a great Thanksgiving this week? How many of you got full of turkey and ham and dressing and brisket? All that good stuff. Man, that's good. There's some football games this week. Dallas won. And that's all we need to talk about. <laughs> Ten years has been waiting to do that. Praise the Lord. We decided Amen. Yeah, probably. All right. We're glad you're here this morning. Hey, if you're a visitor this morning, we're glad to have you. Uh, if it's your first time or maybe your first time in a while, we're glad to have you. We've got a little gift for you back here at the welcome desk. If you make your way back here during the, the after service is over, they'll give you a cup. And if you and it should have a welcome card there, if you a uh, visitor card, I mean, if you'll fill that out for us so we can uh, just find out who all was here this morning. And uh, we appreciate you coming this morning. Isn't it a beautiful day today? So much prettier than yesterday was. Man, this is, the psalmist says, this is the day the Lord has made. Amen. Amen. He says, I will rejoice and be glad in it. Can we do that this morning? Why don't we stand up this morning? Can we take a moment? We're going to sing songs in a minute and worship the Lord. But can we take a moment and just rejoice in the Lord for this day that he has made? This beautiful November. It's the end of November. It's almost Christmas time. Can we just give thanks one more time? In this Thanksgiving week, giving thanks to God for what he's done for us. Can we do that together? Lord, we love you this morning. Lord, we just praise you. We thank you this morning for all your blessings. Lord, this week we celebrated Thanksgiving. We give thanks to you, God, for all that you've done, all that you do, all that you're going to do for us, God. Because your word says you're the same yesterday, today, and forever, and you'll not change, Lord. Your promises are yes and amen, Lord, and everything that we do is for you, God, because of what you've done for us. We love you this morning. Lord, we just come into this service this morning. We enter in with a, an attitude of worship and praise to you, God, and we expect you to do great and mighty things because you've said you would. And God, we worship you because you're worthy. We love you this morning. Hallelujah, God. We praise you, Lord. Hallelujah.
Fragrance, high. 
Hallelujah. Can we take a moment? Can we just worship the name of Jesus? The name above all names. Jesus, our Savior, our healer, our deliverer this morning. Can we just take another moment and just worship him this morning? Hallelujah. Jesus. Jesus, we love you. That sweet, wonderful name of Jesus. It means so much. That name of Jesus, Lord, we praise you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Man, every time I hear that name, it's either good or it's bad. Somebody's saying it in a bad way or somebody's saying it in a good way, but that name only means one thing. It means freedom. It means healing. It means deliverance. If you're here this morning and you've got a need, all we have to do is call on that name of Jesus. Jesus says at the mention of my name. The Bible says at the mention of that name, demons tremble. Demons will flee. Jesus said anything you ask in my name, Jesus, he says he'll give it to you. This morning, if you have a need this morning, why don't you just step out in the aisle? Maybe it's not your need, but you know of a need. Somebody needs a touch from God this morning. Why don't you step out in the aisle? We're going to pray for you. We're going to go to that name Jesus this morning. Bible says we're healed by his stripes. We're healed in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you see somebody nearby that's got a need, if anybody steps out now, why don't you just lay a hand on them? Hallelujah. Let's just go before the Lord. Maybe you have a need and you don't want to step out now this morning. That's okay. Let's just take our needs to the Lord. Hallelujah. Lord, we come before you this morning. Lord, I know there's needs in this place. Lord, I, I hear every day of someone that needs a healing, Lord, someone that needs the financial need, someone that maybe it's a spiritual need, maybe it's a family need. God, but we lift it up right now in the name of Jesus because we know there's power in the name of Jesus. When we call on the name of Jesus, Lord, you shake heaven and earth to come and meet our needs, Lord. And we praise you this morning. Lord, I thank you for answers to prayer this morning. 
I thank you, Lord, that I know all I have to do is call that name of Jesus, and you'll come running to me. We love you this morning. We praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Again, thank you for being here this morning. There's a lot bigger crowd now than there was a few moments ago, and that's all right. Uh, we love it when people come in on time, and we love it when they come in late. You know why? Because we just love it that you're here. Amen. Amen. How many of you are glad to be here? Amen. There's a lot of places you could be this morning, but to be here this morning, that's a special place. Amen. If our ushers are come, we'll take up our tithes and offering at this time. Amen. Randy, would you pray over the offering this morning? Thank you for giving this morning. Today's a special day. Today's a day we've been waiting on for seems like years. Hasn't it felt like a long time? It has. And uh, as much as we appreciate Brother Ron McCaslin coming and filling in, but man, it's so great that we, today's the day we have a pastoral candidate. And uh, I'm going to give you, I'm going to, I'm going to give you the schedule. It's in the bulletin, but uh, we need to make sure we announce it and let everyone know the schedule of how, how this is going to go. And so I want to give you that this morning and then I'll have him come up and he can introduce his family and, and uh, it, he'll say their names right. I probably won't. So that's how it is with babies, isn't it? You, you hate to say a baby's name wrong, but that's all right. People have been saying my name wrong all my life. So that's all right. Well, this morning we have uh, David Meyer and his family are here this morning and they are, they are our pastor candidate, our our pulpit committee has prayed and worked and, and, and have worked really, really hard and had a lot of meetings. I know they met a lot of times and, and they gave up a lot of hours, a lot of time of their life and, and that they could have been home or watching football or something important like that. I'm just kidding. There's nothing more important than the kingdom of God. And so, but they've given up a lot of time. We really appreciate them. Can we give them a hand one more time? Let them know we love them. We appreciate them. I kind of got to see how much they were here. Some of you guys think, well, they just met one. No, they met, seemed like every day and and for for a long time. And so we really appreciate them. But this morning, uh, uh, 
Pastor David will be with us this morning and this evening service. Following the service this evening, there'll be a time for question and answers. If you guys can ask some questions, if you have some questions that you'd like to, uh, to ask him, uh, he will be here Wednesday evening for the service in the sanctuary here. Um, now, I, listen, I won't be up here. I'll be down in the youth, so I don't see how many's here, but I've heard there's not been a lot of people on Wednesday nights coming. And so I encourage you to come out Wednesday. And... Uh, Listen, I, I've, I've pastored before, and I know what it's like to stand down there and, and, and prepare and five people show up on a Wednesday night. So I encourage you to come Wednesday night. Um, he'll be here sharing and, and ministering Wednesday night as well. So come and, and hear him and encourage him. Listen, we don't want him to think that there's nobody in the church. So we need, we need you to come and, and be a part of that Wednesday night service. And then next Sunday morning and Sunday evening, he'll be ministering again. And following the evening service, we'll have a pastor election. Uh, and so if you're a voting member, you need to be here. If you're not a voting member, you need to be here because you, you may not be an actual voting member, but if you're a part of this church, you need to be here. This, this is important to us, and, and we, we have worked and prayed, and, and I know the pulpit committee has, has worked very diligently to bring him in, and so we're glad to have him this morning. If you want to come on up, like I said, I'll let you introduce your family and, and uh, introduce yourself as well, but this is uh, Pastor David Meyer. Thank you, sir. <clears throat> Praise God. Praise God. How's everybody doing this morning? Are we happy to be in the house of the Lord? All right. Praise God. We can't be in any better place today. I know the Bears play this afternoon, and you all want to watch that. I'm from Illinois, y'all. So, so I know you're excited about listening to the Chicago Bears play later, but we're going to have some church this morning. And I want to start, before I introduce my wife, I want to start and ask you a question. And that question is, did you come expecting this morning? Did you come expecting this morning? Because here's the truth. We sang a song that says, my God can move mountains. My God can heal. My God can do all of these things. But are you expecting him to do that today? Because the truth is what we expect is what we'll walk away with. If you showed up because it's Sunday morning and this is what we have to do and I want to make sure my parents are happy or I want to make sure somebody sees me, if that's the only reason you're here, you might get a little bit. But if you came expecting God to do a miracle in your life, a miracle in your finances, a miracle in your home, a miracle in your relationship, if you came expecting, God's going to meet you. And not only is he going to meet you, he's going to begin to change the situation. So I'm going to ask you one more time before we get into this, did you come expecting this morning? Praise God. Praise God. Well, as you heard, my name is David Meyer. I am not Joyce Meyer's husband. That is another David Meyer. But I am blessed to have my wife with me of 21 years. Her name is Lindy. She's sitting in the front, front row. She is holding our son, Jaden, who is three months old. And we have a daughter named Janelle who is in the nursery. She is three years old. So we're going to go to the Lord in the prayer, and we're going to get right into this. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. Lord, I thank you that each and every person that came today came with a heart of expectancy, came with a heart ready to receive, came with a heart that said, Lord, I know that you can do all things, and I'm here to receive it today, Lord. I thank you, Lord, most of all, the words I speak today be your words and not mine. And Lord, I thank you most of all for ears to hear, but hearts to listen and receive. And I thank you that we will never be the same in Jesus' name. And we all said... Amen, amen, amen. So in case you can't tell, I like to walk around. I like to talk with my hands, so get ready. But I told you about my kids, and I told you about my wife. And I stand before you today to say we serve a miracle-working God. 
We serve a God who's more than enough. We serve a God who knows our desires. We serve a God who loves us unconditionally. The reason I can tell you that this morning is for 18 years of married life, my wife and I believe to have children. For 18 years, we stood in faith. We said, we know what the Bible says. We're not worried about anything else. We're going to stand in faith. We're going to trust God, and we're going to see it come to pass. So let me ask you today, what situation are you facing, and how long are you willing to stand? How long are you willing to say, I'm not going to waver? You have to understand, in 18 years, 17 years of those were ministry, that I was ministering, pastoring a church, and I would hear people say things like this, hey, you're a faith man, why don't you have kids? I would hear people say things to my wife like, your husband's prayed for so many families to have children, and they have children, why don't you? Let me tell you this, church, if somebody around you is going through a struggle, it's unfair to ask them that kind of question. It is unfair to ask them that. What you need to do is come alongside them, hold their arms up, stand in prayer, stand in faith, and say, I'm not going to waver, but I'm going to stand with you until we see the promise of God come to pass. People began to say things like this. Now, come on, I'm not that old, but they'd say, well, you know, you're probably too old for kids now. Too old. I mean, I'm just barely over 25 now. And I mean, so they would say, you're too old. And I would say to them, Abraham was 99. God said, get ready. He was 100 when Isaac came to pass. I'm not 100 yet, so it's still possible. If Abraham can have him at 100, I can have him at a little over 30, okay? That's all you need to know. But we can, we can trust. We can trust the promise of God because it never fails. It's not about your age. It's not about your financial standing. It's about God and trusting in his word. So for 18 years we stood, they said, you're too old. I said, let me tell you about Abraham. He was 100, right? But here's my favorite part of this story. Get ready, church. His name was originally Abram, but God changed his name to Abraham. Why did he do that? Because Abraham means father of many nations. So every time somebody spoke Abraham's name, every time they spoke out his name or he spoke out his name, he was declaring what God had promised, I am the father of many nations. And when they began to speak it out, they were speaking it out in faith. Why? Because the promise of God would come to pass. So guess what? Are you ready? Say, I'm ready. Here's what I'm going to tell you today. Whew, you're getting me excited. I'm going to preach in a minute. So here's what I want to tell you today. Your name has been changed. You might have been an Abram and you might have been going through the valley, but your name has been changed. If you've been bought with a price, if you've been born again and you are a child of God, you are no longer the same. Your name has been changed to righteous and redeemed. Your name is no longer loser or broken or destroyed or hurt or in need of healing. Your name is healed, righteous, redeemed, restored. Your name has been changed. Your name has been completely transformed. So why don't we begin to walk in the newness of our name? Why don't we stop walking broke, busted, and disgusted and start walking in the truth of the promise of God that says I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not below. I'm going over and not going under. Every place I put my foot is ordered of the Lord, and I trust today that his promise will come true. Come on, can I get an amen on that? But we've gotten to a place in society. Now, some people say, you know, you're from the north, you talk too fast. But the truth is, when I get excited, I talk fast, right? There's a lot to fit in in a little bit of time. But, you know, some people say, why, why, why does it take so long? You see, we've become an instant gratification society, haven't we? 
you don't believe me, go to McDonald's. There's now two lanes because one wasn't fast enough. And we got to try to get you through faster because if it doesn't come to pass right now, it's not going to come to pass. Well, my Bible said that my God would give me the desire of my heart. He didn't say how long it would take. My God said, blessed is a man whose quiver is full. He didn't say it's going to happen today. He said, trust in me and watch it come to pass. That's called faith. When we stand in faith, God can move mountains. When we stand in faith, God can bring restoration. When we stand in faith, there is nothing that can stand before us. Come on, somebody needs to get excited in this place today. See, we had every opportunity to quit. We had every opportunity to give up, but God. Somebody say, but God. You see, there's going to be times in your life that you're going to face trials, you're going to face situations, you're going to come against giants, and it's going to look impossible. And you say, I can't do it, I'm not strong enough, I'm not big enough, but God. Because when I let my God into my natural situation, it becomes supernatural. And there's nothing that my God can't do. And so we stood in faith, we declared the goodness of God, and we saw it come to pass. But what did we do? We stood in faith and we never changed our confession. Come on now. This becomes a sticky situation for some people. Oh, he's going to talk about words. He's going to talk about what's coming out of our mouth. He's one of those name it and claim it guys. He's one of those blab it and grab it. No, I'm one of those believers in the Bible that says that I can ask for it and I can believe for it and God will bring it to pass. If he promised it, if he paid for it, then I can stand in faith and I can walk in the fullness of his promise. You see, you can tell, come on now, you can tell where people are in their faith walk by what comes out of their mouth. I'm going to say it over here because they want to hear it over here. I said, you can tell where people are in their faith walk by what comes out of their mouth. Because you hear things like this, come on now, don't look around at your neighbor, but you see people in church, God is so good, he's so wonderful, he meets all my needs, it's great, it's awesome, he's so awesome. And then a bill comes and we forget all about his awesomeness. We forget all about his goodness. We say, my God is my redeemer. He's my restorer. He's my all in all. And then we get a diagnosis of cancer or diabetes or COVID. And all of a sudden the goodness of God goes away and we forget about all of his provision and we get into fear and bondage and our whole vocabulary changes. What do I mean by that? This is what I mean by that. Are you ready? How many times do people say this? I'm never going to make it. This job is killing me. Oh, this sickness is going to be the death of me. What are you speaking? I don't know about you, but I'm going to speak life. I'm going to speak the word of God because it brings life. Are you getting anything out of this this morning? Go with me, if you will, to Proverbs chapter 18. I know y'all brought your Bibles this morning. Proverbs chapter 18. I like it when you bring your Bible because you aren't just taking my word for it then. But you get to see it for yourself. Title of my message is, What Are You Saying? or What's Coming Out of Your Mouth? Proverbs 18.21 says these words, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Come on. If you don't have that underlined, circled, highlighted, whatever it is, let me read it to you again. It says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. So let me ask you again, what's coming out of your mouth? Are you speaking blessing and curse? Are you speaking life or death? Let me take it a step further. What are you speaking into your children's life? 
What are you speaking into your relationship? What are you speaking into your finances? You better be speaking life and not death. You better be speaking life into your children. Let me tell you right now, the world's filling your children full of garbage, and it's time we rise up as a church and fill them with the truth of the Word of God so when the lies come, they can say, that's not true. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. we got to change what's coming out of our mouth. We got to change what we're saying about our situation. It may look impossible and it may be impossible with me, but my Bible says all things are possible through God. I can put my faith in him and there's nothing that he can't change. There's not a mountain before me that he can't move out of the way. And he's not just going to make you a path to get through. The Bible says he will move it. He will move it. He will move it. It has to go in the name of Jesus. Done preach myself happy. James chapter 3, we aren't done yet. We got a lot of scripture to go through. James chapter 3. I love looking at this passage. It's such a descriptive passage that we read here. And it says these words, starting in verse 2 For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he's a perfect man. How many of you here would like to be a perfect man? Now, when we say the word man here, it's mankind. It includes women as well. So don't think that you've been kicked out of this passage. But it says, those who can, who can what? Who can keep their word is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at a ship. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. Now, what did he just say here? Think about this. How many of you ever been around horses? Anybody here been around horses? You got horses? You take a 2,000-pound animal who once was wild, and we think we tamed them, but the truth is they still got a little wild in them, don't they? I've gone across a few pastures in my life and found a little wild in the horse. And you got to hold on. But here's the truth. We take a 2,000-pound animal and we put a little piece of metal about that big in its mouth, and it'll go anywhere you want it to go. You turn it to the right, it goes to the right. You turn it to the left, it goes to the left. You pull it back, it stops. Whatever you want it to do by that little bridle, how much more is your tongue directing your path? How much more? Think of a ship on the sea, a cargo-carrying ship that's millions of pounds, and it has a two or 3,000-pound rudder on the back, and that little rudder is changing the direction of that ship whichever way the pilot wants it to go. Well, guess what? Your tongue will do the same thing. And if you're going the wrong direction, if your life is going the wrong direction, if your situation is going the wrong direction, it's time you turn the ship. It's time you stop speaking death and start speaking life. You say, but how do we change our confession? I'm glad you asked that. Go to Matthew chapter 12. We're just getting started here, guys. Matthew chapter 12, I believe truthfully that lives will be transformed, that people will be set free today because God has a bigger plan. God has something for you and he wants to see you walk in it today. Matthew chapter 12, verse 34. Now these verses I've read to you before aren't written in red, but this one's written in red, which means who said it? And if Jesus said it, shouldn't it have my utmost attention? 
Shouldn't I pay attention to what Jesus is saying to me right here? This is what he says. He says, you brood of vipers. Whew. Wouldn't you love to hear that? When that? You're sitting with Jesus. Everything's great. He says, you brood of vipers. Wow. Wow, but I go to church. I'm not a brood of vipers. But I, but I give in the offering. He says, you brood of vipers. How can you being evil speak good things? How can you being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. What are you putting in your heart today? What are you opening your heart up to receive? You see, my Bible says it's my responsibility to to guard my heart. I don't have to let every single thing that wants to come in, come in. I don't have to listen to everything that's told to me. I don't have to receive every lie that's been pushed at me. I don't have to receive it. You see, I can tell you this. This wasn't in the message. This is a side note, so you're welcome. I can tell you this. Growing up, people always told me I'd never amount to anything because I came from a broken home. They told me I wasn't smart enough. I couldn't read well enough. I couldn't speak in front of people. They told me I'd never amount to anything but God. Come on now. But God said... But God said, but God said, and so praise God. So he says, listen, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. I'm going to put it to you real simple. Garbage in, garbage out. That's the truth. You can't change that. If all you're doing is filling yourself with whatever is coming your direction, that's what's going to come out. But when you begin to fill yourself with the word of God, you get the word inside of you to the point that it can't help but come out of you. It's overflowing out of you. When you get the word in, life comes out. Life comes out. I'm not the same. I've been bought with a price. I've been changed. I've been renewed. I've been restored. I'm walking where God says I can walk. Every place I put my foot is ordered of him. He will protect me. He will guide me. He will lead me. He will show me things to come. He sent his Holy Spirit, the very Holy Spirit that parted the waters to live inside of me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What is your confession today? Garbage in, garbage out. Word in, life comes out. I told you, you can tell people's faith walk by their mouth. If they're in the word and the word is in them, listen, how many times a day do you eat? Now let's just say three. (laughs) I mean, let's say three. If we don't count snacks and we don't count, you know, bored eating and we don't count late night watching TV eating and we don't count, if we cut out the other nine meals, we eat three times a day. How many times do you read the word? Because you see, my Bible says that it is food in life. But if I take 30 minutes on a Sunday morning to listen to a good looking preacher, stand up here and preach a word, and I spend the rest of my days and nights and hours and weeks and never lift up my Bible, I'm in trouble. You see, we have this philosophy in society today that it's the pastor's responsibility to deal with every situation, every issue. He has to feed us. He has to guide us. But my Bible says it's your responsibility to rightly divide the Word of God. It's your responsibility to know the Word. It's your responsibility. So when I stand up here and I say something that contradicts the Word of God, you can say, ah, 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 that's not what the Bible says. But we got too many people following an idea or following an emotion and not following the Word of God. Come on now, don't shoot me down for preaching good. This is good stuff here. It's time we get the Word inside of us so the Word can come out of us. As we get started, 
I'd like to talk to you about two stories in the Bible. Some of you just passed out. Getting started. It's almost lunchtime, and he's just getting started. I want you to go with me to Numbers chapter 13. We're going to look at two different stories, one in the Old Testament, one in the New Testament, about the power of your words. Numbers chapter 13. It's in the Old Testament. And as you're turning to Numbers chapter 13, I want you to remember what's happened to this point. Before we get to Numbers 13, we know that God has freed the Israelites from the Egyptian army. He has freed them from Pharaoh. They are going free. They have chariots. They have gold. They have all of these things. They're leaving. They're going to freedom. They're going to a new land that God has given them. They're no longer going to be enslaved. They're going to be free people who can worship God and who can live a life that's glorifying to God. And so they're going out on their path and God is protecting them and he's leading them and he's providing them manna, manna, food every morning, every night. They don't have to worry about it. It's just there, right? We should be at a place in our life where I'm not going to worry about what I eat tomorrow because I know God's going to provide it. I I, I should be at a place in my life where I say I don't have to worry about if my cable bill is going to be paid because I know that God will provide it. And so they have this everyday manna, manna from heaven. Does anyone know what manna means? It means what is this? And every day they're getting manna to eat and manna to eat and they're getting everything they need. And then they get to the Red Sea and he parts the Red Sea. Think about that. How many of you would have loved to have seen him part the Red Sea? The waters part, there's the walls of water, and not only did he do that miracle of parting the Red Sea, he dried the land that they could walk across it. Now, y'all, we're in Oklahoma, and we got a little bit of rain yesterday, and I can tell you the yard is full. There's no walking across dry land in the yard, but here he lifts up the sea, dries the land that their chariots can go across, their animals can go across, their kids can go across. They walk across on dry land. That's what he wants to do in your life. He not only wants to part the sea, but he wants to dry the land to make your path right. And so he dries the land and they're going across. And as they get across, he brings the sea back in and wipes out the Egyptian army. Now think about this. Told you, you're going to get me excited. He wipes out the Egyptian army. Most powerful army of the time. Man, they took captives. They took land. They were mean. They were trained. They were set up. And they've just been defeated. And the Israelites never lifted a hand. Why is that? Because when we put our faith in God, he'll fight our battle for us. He'll fight, Lord, I put my faith in you, and I'm going to stand here, and I'm going to believe what you say is true, and I'm going to let you fight my battle. I'm going to let you take on this giant. I'm going to speak to that giant, and I'm going to let you move it out of my way. And so he took out the entire army, and they never lifted a hand. We got so many Christians out there working themselves into a hole rather than just asking God. Now, he might tell you to go do something. He might show you what to do, but we need to put our faith in God first. So all of this has happened. Man, the goodness of God. Would you not be singing praises at this moment? You've been in captivity for years. You've been beaten. You eat whatever scraps you can eat. It's hot. It's not comfortable. And all of a sudden, after all this time, you're free. Listen, I can tell you this. For many years of my life, I walked in that kind of bondage. It's called sin. And it didn't bring anything good for me, although I thought it was good and I thought it was going to help me get to the next day. And although I thought it felt right at the time, sin never got me anything. But God brought me out of that bondage, brought me out of that slavery and moved me into his glorious light, which is Jesus Christ. And I'm not the same anymore. Neither are you. So they're free. They're free. Man, the songs they must have sang. And then they turned to murmuring. How fast in the church do we turn to murmuring? 
Well, the pastor didn't do the song I wanted. Well, the worship team sang too long. The worship team was too short. The worship team didn't do this. Well, the offering comes at a wrong time. How often do we get into murmuring rather than just praising the goodness of God? I'm preaching better than that, y'all. Come on. So they must have been singing. Then they get into murmuring. But then we get to Numbers chapter 13. Are y'all there? We're going to start at verse 1. And we're going to kind of skip around a little bit because I want you to see this. But in verse 1 it says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, or the promised land, which I am giving. Now I have that circled, highlighted, underlined in my Bible, so I see it, that I am giving to the children of Israel. Now listen, he said, I want you to go spy out this land because I'm giving it to you. It's yours. He can't give it to me unless he has it. And if he's giving it to me and it's a gift, here, I want you to have this. That means it's already been bought and paid for. And all I have to do is possess it. All I have to do is step into what he said. He said, this is where I'm going to be. And I'm going to step into it. And I'm going to receive the promise that God has for me. He said, I'm giving you this land. Go get it. Go get it. So Moses gets together the 12 spies. You all know this, right? He gets them together. He says, listen, you're going to go spy out this land. I want you to check it out for yourself. I want you to see it for yourself. It's supposed to be a good land flowing with milk and honey. Now, when we talk about a promised land, we all in the church think, well, someday when we get to heaven, right? Someday when I get to heaven. But the Bible says I can walk in the promises of God here. The Bible says I can walk in the fullness of his promise here. I'm not waiting for someday to walk in the glory of God. I'm waiting, walking in it right now. Because every day that I get to wake up and put my feet on the ground, I hope the devil says he's awake again. And I'm going to walk in the fullness of the promise of God. And so he says, I'm going to give this to you. Go and possess it. It's a good land. Verse 17. Then Moses sent them out. He said, go up this way into the south and go into the mountains and see what the land is like, whether the people who dwell there are strong or weak or few or many, whether the land they dwell in is good or bad, whether the cities and the inhabitants are like camps or strongholds, whether the land is rich or poor, and whether there are forests theirs or not. Be of good courage and bring back some fruit of the land. What an interesting statement. He says, go check it out. Now, God's already told them it's theirs, right? It's yours. Go check out what I'm giving you. Go and see the goodness of God. See the provision of God. See what I have for you. Go and check it out. It's for you. And Moses says to him, well, let me know if they're big and bad. Let me know if they're nice people or not nice people. Let me know if it's going to be an okay place, if it's a nice place or a bad neighborhood. Let me know what it is. And so the spies go out. And before he leaves, he says, now bring back some fruit. Bring back some fruit. That sounds like a weird request to us, doesn't it? Bring back fruit. Why are we bringing back fruit? Verse 23. Then they came to the valley and they cut down a branch with one cluster of grapes and they carried it between two of them on a pole. Let me just stop right here and ask you this question. When is the last time you went into Walmart and had to phone a friend to get the grapes out the front door? Have you ever been in Walmart, you go to the produce section, oh, there's a sale on grapes, I think I'll get grapes. Hey, Tom, can you help me carry the grapes out of Walmart? But they come into this land and the bunch of grapes is so big, they have to cut it off, tie it to a pole, and two guys have to carry it out. Now, I don't know about you, but that says to me, my God is a God of abundance. My God is a God of provision. My God says, I not only want to bless you, but I want you to be a blessing to others. I want you to be a blessing coming in and a blessing going out. He said, I want to provide your every need 
so you don't have to worry about tomorrow, but you can focus on me. And so here he comes in to this massive bunch of grapes that two guys are carrying. Whew. Can you imagine them trying to put that on the scale at Walmart to check you out? Just put it, I mean, really, it's a huge bunch of grapes. It takes two of them. The goodness of God. And they went through the south and they saw all the descendants of Enoch. And they went through Hebron for seven years. And they go through all this story, all of this backstory. Verse 23, and then they came to the valley and they cut down the branch with one cluster of grapes. Verse 24, the place they called the Valley of Esco because the cluster which the men of Israel cut down there. And they returned from spying out the land after 40 days. Now when they departed, they came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel to give their report. Then they told him, verse 27, and said, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Think about this now. It truly flows with milk and honey. It flows with the goodness of God, the provision of God. We won't ever have to worry about food again. We won't ever have to worry about drink again. We won't ever have to worry about designer clothes again. We can just walk in the provision of God. And they're excited about it. And they say, here's the fruit. Whoo, boom. And think of all these people who are in the wilderness and they're eating manna and going through all this. And all of a sudden you see this fruit. What would you be doing? Ooh, God is so good. We're going to eat fruit tonight. It's going to be amazing. Look at the provision. Verse 28. Now here it comes. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified. We even saw giants. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites, and the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And it amazes me how they begin to talk about all of these things. And I think about in our own Christian walk, how many times we lift up all the ites in our life. Well, this is why I can't do it. I'm too old. I'm too young. I, I'm not rich enough. I'm, I'm too rich. We have all these reasons why we can't do what God tells us to do. And he says, listen, I've already taken care of those. I've already taken care of those. I told you that is your land to go and possess. I've given it to you. Now possess it. And they begin to give this whole story on how they can't go in because of these giants and because of these walls and because of all these situations. It's never going to turn out. How can it not turn out when God's already done it? That's right. How can it not turn out when God's already done it? And we say this because this reason, God has already made provision for you. Amen. But we doubt it because of all these other reasons. But what would happen if we say, everything I do, I'm going to be victorious because he already paid for it. I'm going to be victorious everywhere I step. Why? Because it's already been purchased. Verse 30. Mm -mm -mm -mm. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. I'm telling you right now, you hear it, I'm sure, sermon after sermon after sermon, but it's time that the church begins to raise up a Caleb generation that says that I'm not going to be pushed around, I'm not going to be stopped. If God says it, if the Word of God says it, I believe it, that does it. It's the final authority in my life, and I don't care what the news says, and I don't care what my neighbor says, and I don't care what my family says. I know what the Word of God says, and I'm going to walk in that promise, and I'm well able to go possess what God has for me. What would happen? I'll tell you what would happen if the church began to live out the word of God. It's called revival. When people around you begin to see the goodness of God on you, around you, flowing through you, they'll want to know more about it. But when we walk the same as the world and we walk in the same situations and we have no hope and we're never going to make it, how do we expect people to come to church? 
I don't know about you, but I want people to see the goodness of God in my life, even in the middle of my struggles. I just told you about the Chicago Bears, and all of you were excited because you're all Bears fans, and I'm excited about that. But years ago, they had a kicker on their team, and I'll never forget this. And they gave him a nickname, and it was Double Doink. Does anyone remember that nickname? And he kicked the ball, and it hit off the uprights, and they lost, and they didn't go to playoffs, and it was a terrible thing. But after that kick, he went like this. And afterwards, they said to him, why would you do that? Why would you point up to the sky after you missed the kick that got you out of the playoffs? And this is what he said. I love it. Even in my lowest, I will glorify God. Even in my toughest, I will glorify God. We need to be in the same place. We need to praise him when he's providing. We need to lift him up when he's given us what we need. And we need to lift him up in the valley. We need to lift him up in the struggle. We need to lift him up in the trial. Why? Because my God deserves my praise all the time. And so he comes and he says, it's time. Let's go possess it. Man, I'm stirred up just from listening to that. I'll tell you what, I'm excited about the youth program here. Why? Because we're raising up a Caleb generation that needs to go into the schools and say, I don't care what they say, this is what the Bible says. And we're going to stand on this and we're going to believe it and we're not going to waver on it. And I'm not going to listen to whatever else you're selling. If it doesn't line up with the word, it's got to go. We will need to raise up a Caleb generation. So as soon as he gets done, they say this, but the men who had gone with him said, we're not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. We are not able. Did God just tell them to go get it? I'm giving you this land. When I became born again, I became a child of God. I became a joint heir and all the promises of God are yes and amen in my life. And I can walk in them because Jesus signed for them with the blood of Jesus Christ. When he died on the cross, he purchased my salvation. He purchased my righteousness. His blood was shed. The stripes were taken that I can walk in healing and I can walk in freedom and I can walk in what he has for me. And I'm so excited about that. I just want to shout it from the rooftops. But here comes the bad report. Now, we all have this person in our life, don't we? Like, we're excited about the things that get. Now, don't look at your neighbor. Don't point at your spouse. Don't do that, okay? Otherwise, but we all have those people in our life that we're like, I'm just believing God for a miracle. And they're like, it's never going to happen. I don't know what, you know, I knew so-and-so that went through that. And you know their result. And I know what this happened. I don't care what their results are. I don't interpret the Bible by other people's results. I interpret the Bible as the truth of the word of God. And that's what I'm going to walk in. So he begins to give this report. We're not able. They're too big. And they gave this whole sob story. And we know what happens. There we saw giants. Is anyone here facing a giant in their life right now? Come on, you can be honest. Well, I don't want my neighbor to know I'm facing a giant. No, listen, the truth is we are, we have, or we will face a giant in our lives. We will go through trial. There's nowhere in the Bible that says that we won't face adversity. But everywhere in the Bible it says if I don't give up and I trust in God, he'll see me through it. And so we are going to run into hard times. We are going to run into situations. We are in the world, not of the world. And so things are going to arise. Problems and situations are going to arise. But that doesn't mean that I have to waver from my faith. And I can say in the middle of the storm, I'm rooted on God. In the middle of the trial, I'm rooted on his word. Bring it on, devil, because I know that I have victory in Jesus. So all the congregations, chapter 14, verse 1. All the congregations began to lift up their voice and cry. And tear their clothes. Oh, we're never going to make it. The same God that brought them out of slavery. The same God that parted the sea. The same God that provided their food now can't take down a giant. What's happening here? 
We've lost our confession. So they begin to cry out and they complained against Moses and Aaron and it's all your fault now. Anyone ever been in church leadership? It seems to roll that way. It's all your fault that my life isn't going right. When's the last time you read the word? That's not the point. The point is it's your fault. Come on now. So they begin to give this bad report. And, and it's interesting how they end this bad report. Why has the Lord brought us out of this land to fall by sword that our wives and our children should become victims? Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? What he just said is, would it not be better for us to go back to slavery? Would it not be better for us to be bound and chained? Would it not be better for us to be whipped and beaten? Would it not be better for us to starve? Would it not be better for our children to be in bondage? and into, would, would that not be better? How do we go from the goodness and provision of God to I'm going back to slavery? They missed it. They missed it. He said, I'm giving it to you. They began to cry. It'd just be better if we died there. It'd just be better if we went. Chapter 14, verse 11. Then the Lord said to Moses, how long will these people reject me? And how long will they not believe me with all the signs which I have performed among them? Let me ask you a question. Did your bills get paid last month? Then won't they get paid next month? Because yes, my God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So why would I worry about tomorrow if I can trust in him today? Did you eat this morning? Did any of you eat this morning? then I can put my trust that he's going to feed me this afternoon, right? And I can put my trust that he's going to feed me tonight. And I can put my trust that there's going to be a midnight snack. And I can put my trust that there's going to be a three o'clock snack. And I can put my trust that there's going to be, well, I mean, if my son wakes up, I don't want him to eat alone, right? So that I'm going to have to eat with him. But I can put my trust that if God provided food for me this morning, he'll provide food for me today. I can put my trust in that. He said, how long will they reject me? I've, I've done everything for them. Have they not seen my goodness? Verse 28, and then we'll keep moving on. You say, there's a lunch coming up. Okay. Verse 28, say to them, get ready, the power of the tongue. He's talking to Moses. He says, say to them, as I live, says the Lord, just as you have spoken in my hearing, so I will do now. He gave them the land. How many people did he give it to? All of them. He gave it to all of them. Here's the cool part. He gave Jesus for everyone, but not everyone receives him. He gave the promised land for all of them, and out of all of them, two entered the promised land. I don't know about you, but when it comes time, I want to be one of those two. I want to be one of those that said, I never wavered. I never doubted. I put my faith in you. I put my trust in you, and I'm going to see the promise come to pass. And how do I do that? I believe in faith and I make sure my confession lines up with the word of God. Just as you have said in my ear, so it will be. And they died in the wilderness, never seeing a land that was given to them. I like to use this illustration for the Holy Spirit, but I'm going to use it for this very moment. So in my wallet, I shouldn't tell you this, but I will. In my wallet, I have a hundred dollar bill. Woo, isn't that exciting? I mean, that's exciting right now. Anyway, woo! When I was going to Bible school 19 years ago, somebody gave me a $100 bill and said, here, you might need this. And I folded it up and I put it in the back fold of my wallet. And there has been times that I've gone to stores and thought, man, I wish I had some cash. And there's times that I'll go to different places. And, oh man, I wish I had some cash on me. Why? Because I took that provision and I stuck it away. And now it's out of sight, out of mind. And now I act as though that provision has 
no use. Doesn't do me any good. It's there. It still has the same value. It still has the same purpose. But because I'm not acknowledging it, it's doing nothing in my life. My wife is probably looking at me like, you still got a $100 bill in your wallet? <laughs> what fold did you say that was in? We're going shopping. No, but, but listen, it, it does me no good because I don't acknowledge it. The same is true with the provision and the promises of God. If I don't acknowledge that they are there, if I don't acknowledge that it's already been provided, it does no good in my life. And most people in the church today are not acknowledging it because they don't read it for themselves. I can stand up here, and I've done this. When I first started out in ministry, I preached a sermon at our church, and everyone got done afterwards. They're like, oh, that was a great sermon. That was wonderful. And the next Sunday, I preached the exact same message. And afterwards, people walked out, man, that was wonderful. That was great. Why? Because they didn't take the time during the week to go through the verses, to look for themselves, to bring it up for themselves, to study it for themselves. It was in and out by the time they left. I had one teenager from the youth come up and go, wasn't that the same message? I was like, finally. Why? Because we don't. We get that small bit of food and we think it's going to last us for a week, and it's not. we got to constantly be in that word. we got to constantly be studying that word. Just as you have spoken in my ear, so I will do. Go to Mark chapter 11. We're going to wrap it up with this. Mark chapter 11. It's one of my favorite passages. When I read it, I get excited, so get ready. You say, get excited, uh-oh. Mark chapter 11. We're going to catch it up in verse 12. It says, now on the next day when they had come out from Bethany, he was hungry. Who's he? Jesus. So they're coming out. Jesus is hungry. Have you ever had a moment in your life, have you ever had a time in your life where you've been hungry? Have you ever had a time in your life when you say, man, I have a need? Some of you are here today saying, the reason I'm here right now is because I'm hungry and I have a need. So Jesus comes out and he says, I'm hungry. And seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. In response, Jesus did what? Jesus said. Did you hear that part? In response, Jesus said, let no one eat fruit from you ever again, and his disciples heard it. Why is that so important? Because he made a confession out loud. He said, let no one ever eat fruit from you again, and then he walked away. Listen, there's a lot of situations in our life, are you ready for this, that we need to speak the truth into it and walk away as though it's always been taken care of. You know what? I'm not going to sit here and spend four hours at my problem. Please move. Can you please go away, love? Try over here. Come on. Can you please leave me alone? I'm going to speak the word of God, which says you've already been defeated. Every knee has to give way and bow to the name of Jesus Christ. And I'm not giving you another minute because I have victory in Christ. And I'm going to walk away as though it's already done, even though I don't see it yet. And so that's what Jesus did. He said, no one's ever going to eat from you again. And he walks away. Think of his disciples. They're like, he's talking to a tree. Did anyone else see that? I, he must really be hungry. You ever get that moment when you're so hungry that you're just like, he, he, they must have thought, man, he's got serious hunger things going on. He's talking to trees. He's talking to a fig tree. He spoke to that thing. We're going to skip all the way to verse 20. Now in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. Come on now. 
Yesterday, Jesus said, no one's ever going to eat from you again, and he walks away. And now they come back the next day, they walk by it, and it's dried up from the roots. Whoo, what would you have thought? I would have been like, Do you, that's the tree. That's the tree he talked to. Did you see it? And it's dried up. But here's the part that most people miss. It says it dried up from the roots. What does that mean? You don't see what's happening under the surface, but just because you don't see it doesn't mean God's not doing it. He's doing something, and you just have to have faith that sooner or later you're going to see it manifest out from under the surface. So it didn't start at the branches. You see, when we spray weeds, we spray it, and you begin to see it die from the top down. But he said, no, 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 my God doesn't deal with the top. He deals with the root of the situation. He deals with the very base of the situation, and he begins to take it at the roots and dry it up from the ground up. Woo! Just because you don't see him moving doesn't mean he's not moving. Just because you don't see the situation changing doesn't mean it isn't changing. He might just be working under the surface. So he says, he says uh, and Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, or teacher, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered away. And I really believe they were probably wanting some explanation. They were probably expecting Jesus to be like, well, after I spoke to it, the pH balance changed in the soil, and the soil was too dry, and then I used a little of the Roundup on the top. And when that, they probably wanted this big explanation. And the truth is, the reason I say that, it sounds funny, but many of us are waiting for some big explanation on how our problem's going to be solved, and it's simplified like this. Jesus said, have faith in God. Have faith in God. Let me put it to you like this. Are you ready? I don't have to know how he's going to do it. I just have to believe it's being done. I don't have to know his, oh, Lord, give me details. Give me directions. I would like the play-by-play on how you're going to, I don't need all that. I don't have to say, Lord, how's it going to happen? I just have to say, thank you in advance that it is happening. They don't need to know why. He said, have faith in God. Years ago, I had to have surgery. And I've worked in the medical field for years. I was a fireman for years. And and so I know a lot about the medical field. But when I went in and looked at all the instruments that they were going to use and looked at all the different stuff they were going to use, I didn't know what it all was. I didn't know how it worked. I didn't know how they were going to go about doing this. I didn't know how everything was going to be repaired and fixed. I didn't know how it was going to happen. But I had faith that the one was doing it knew. And because I had faith that the one that was doing it was going to bring it to pass, I was okay and I could walk in peace. Well, guess what? I have faith that my God can do it. And if I have faith that my God can do it, no longer do I have to walk in fear and torment and depression, but I can walk in absolute peace in the middle of the storm. When they were out on the boat with Jesus, you remember the waves were coming and the water's filling up and the disciples are freaking out. And they're saying, what's happening? What's happening? Somebody go get Jesus. And when they get to the front of the boat, he's asleep. That's where we need to be. We need to be able to rest in the Lord even when the waves are coming over, even when the water's starting to sink the boat. We need to be finding rest and peace and saying, I'm not moved by the storm, I'm moved by Jesus. So he says that that tree, it's dried up from the roots. He said, have faith in God. I'd like to just stress a moment. He didn't say have faith in your 401k. He didn't say have faith in the stock market. He didn't say have faith in your job. He didn't say have faith in your neighbor. He said have faith in God. We've gotten to a point where we put our faith in everything but God, and we're surprised when it doesn't work out. But when I put my faith in God, I have no choice but to be victorious. He said, for assuredly I say to you, verse 23, I love it, I love it, I love it. For assuredly I say to you, whosoever, are you a whosoever? I'm a whosoever. 
Say, I'm a whosoever. Oh, I don't think you meant it. I said, say, I'm a whosoever. All right, then this verse is written for you. He said, for assuredly I say to you, whosoever says to this mountain, says to this mountain, I'll say it again, says to this mountain, be ye removed and be ye cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Listen to me right now. It's time we begin to speak to the mountain, speak to the mountain, speak to the mountain. But here's what happens in the body of Christ too often. We go up to the mountain and we go, oh, Mr. Big Mountain, you're so big. I'm never going to get around you. I'm never going to make it. You're such a big mountain. We start to glorify the problem rather than glorify the problem solver. So what are you saying to that mountain? Are you telling that mountain of debt it's just too big and there's no chance, there's no hope? Are you telling that mountain of sickness that you're never going to make it, it's just going to have to just glide by? Or are you saying, my God shall supply all of my needs, my God will pay my bills, my God will not only pay them, but they'll be in abundance, my cup will runneth over, I'll be a blessing to others. Are you saying, I'm going to walk in the healing that was purchased for me, I'm going to walk in the fullness of his promise? What are you saying to the mountain? When we glorify the mountain, we take the provider out of the, out of the situation. Yeah. I won't stand at the base of a mountain and glorify the mountain, but I will lift up my God. Right. And I will declare that this mountain must go in Jesus' name. Amen. And I underlined it in my Bible. It says, do not doubt in your heart. Why is that important? I'm going to tell you why that's so important. Why did he say doubt in your heart? Because this thing up here, when you became born again... It didn't get renewed. The Bible says that you have to keep renewing it with the word. We have to keep renewing it. But this didn't get changed. And you still got stinking thinking that wants to come in, that wants to try to run your life, wants to try to run your situation. And it will try to reason you out of the promises of God every time. Why? Because if I can't use my five senses, if I can't smell it, taste it, touch it, feel it, hear it, if I can't use those five, then it's not going to happen. That's what this is going to tell you. But in your heart, when you get the Word of God in there and you lock it in there and you say, I'm standing on the Word of God, and you do not doubt in your heart, that mountain has to go. Verse 24, therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. When do we believe? He just told you right here. When do we believe? We believe when we pray. When we pray. Why do I say that? Because the world can believe it when they see it. But it takes a true believer in faith that says, even in the middle of the problem, I believe it. Even in the middle of the situation, I might have water up to my waist, and I might not see the drain, and I might know how I'm getting out of this circumstance, but I know that it's going to happen, and I'm just going to praise you today as though it's already done, and I'm going to give you the glory today as though it's already done, even with wet socks and wet shoes in the middle of the situation. I'm going to glorify you and praise you, and I'm going to give you the glory, and it's just going to come to pass. Even the world can believe it when they see it. He said, you believe when you pray. Verse 25 and 26, we're going to end with these, and, and these are a bonus, okay? This wasn't in the message, but the Lord put this on my heart to, to bring it today. You see, we love verses 20 through 24, don't we? That's some shouting ground right there. Ooh, whatever I ask, he's going to do. He's going to move the mountain. I can ask all things in Jesus' name, and it's going to come to pass if I don't die. Ooh, that's some shouting stuff right there. But every minister, for some reason, loves to stop right after 24, we don't want to talk about 25 and 26. That means we have a responsibility. And I don't want to discuss that because it just isn't, isn't kosher to do so. 
But if I don't tell you, then I'm going to be held accountable for not telling you. Verse 25 says, and whenever you stand praying, come on, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him. That's a whole nother message for another day. But he said, when you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him. I have friends of mine, I can tell you right now, I have friends of mine that are in church. I've pastored them for years. I love them to pieces. And they'll say to me, well, somebody did me wrong and I'll never forgive them. I said, then you're in trouble. How can God bless you if you won't forgive them? How can God use you if you won't forgive them? Here's what you have to understand about forgiveness. When it comes to forgiving others, it doesn't okay what they've done. It sets you free from bondage. I can live my entire life mad at you and, oh, you know what, I'm never going to forgive you and it doesn't change a day of your life, but it puts me in bondage every single day. And so when I say, you know what, Lord, I forgive them. I forgive them of the wrongs. It doesn't mean it's okay what they did and it doesn't mean I have to let them back into my house for dinner, but what it means is, Lord, I forgive them, I release them and I just let it go and what it does is it frees me up to move into the Lord and to receive from the Lord. If you have anything against anyone, forgive them. Your Father in heaven may also forgive your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. Now, it amazes me how we're okay with keeping lists of everybody else's wrongs. Well, you know, 12 years ago, so-and-so sat in my seat. 13 years ago, somebody took the last bit of mashed potatoes, and I'm not happy about it. I mean, we'll keep that list, right? But what would happen if God kept the list about me? What would happen if he kept a list about you? I don't know about you, but I don't want him keeping any lists about my wrongs because it's a long list and he probably doesn't have that kind of time to keep writing on the list. I don't want him to keep that. So how do I get rid of that list? I forgive others. And when I forgive others, it frees me up to be forgiven. And then as their list goes away, my list goes away. And now I can stand righteous before God as though I'd never sinned because I've been forgiven. So you want to have the mountain move in your life? You want to have the giant move in your life? Then you need to stand in faith. You need to trust the Lord. You need to forgive those who have done wrong to you. And you need to say, the Bible says it. I believe it. That does it. There is no other authority in my life but the word of God. And my confession will not waver from what the word of God says. Here's what I like to do, and I'm going to close with this little part right here. I like to take the Word of God, and when I go through a situation, whether it's a health situation, a financial situation, whatever it is, I like to pull out every verse about that situation in the Bible. And I'll read those, and I'll read those, and I'll read those, and I'll read those. Why is that? Why do I do that? Because the Bible says faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And so as I begin to read that, and read that, and read that, and read that, I build that faith up inside of me to the point that I say, aha, I'm not going to be shaken, but I am going to be victorious. So it's time we get into the Word. It's time we get into what God has for us, and watch the mountains move. Let's go to the Lord in prayer today. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning and we are so thankful for what you have for us. We are so thankful that your promises are yes and amen, that they've already been paid for. And we as believers have become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We are in right standing and we can come boldly to the throne room of God and make our requests known. Lord, I thank you that as we speak to the mountain in our life, it has to go. I thank you, Lord, right now for your healing touch. In just a moment, we're going to ask for those who need a touch from the Lord to come forward. But Lord, I thank you that your provision has already been made. And I thank you that I can put my trust in you. I can put my faith in you. And I don't have to waver like the world. 
I don't have to go day by day as though I have no hope. But I can declare my hope is in Jesus and nothing else. So right now with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to ask you this question. Do you know the Jesus I just talked about? Do you know the way maker? Do you know the healer? Do you know the restorer? Do you know the redeemer? Do you know him? And better than that, do you not only know him, have you received him as your Lord and Savior? You see, in John chapter 3, Nicodemus comes to Jesus by night and begins to ask him all these questions. And Jesus cuts to the chase and says, Nicodemus, you must be born again. There is no other way. You say, but Pastor Dave, how do I become born again? I'm glad you asked that. Romans chapter 10, it says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you will be saved. You say, it can't be that easy. I'm here to tell you it is that easy because your debt's already been paid. It's already been nailed to the cross 2,000 years ago. The blood was already shed to wash you whiter than snow. And all you have to do today is receive it. So if that's you anywhere in this room, you say, you know what, I want to I want to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I'm going to ask you to slip out of your seat and come forward. And if I can ask Chasen to come up here to meet people as they come. Second invitation I want to open up to you today. So maybe you're here and you say, you know, I knew the Lord once. I walked with him once, but I've really just gone my own way, done my own thing, lived my own life. Today I want to rededicate my life back to Jesus. If that's you, I'm going to ask you the same thing. I'm going to ask you to slip out of your seat and come forward. And the third invitation I'm going to open up to you today is maybe you're here and you say, I'm facing that mountain. I'm facing that giant, which by the way, tonight we're going to be talking about facing giants. But you say, I'm going through that, whether it's finances, relationship, health, depression, anxiety, fear, whatever that battle is. And you say, I need somebody that's willing to stand with me in faith and pray with me. If that's you on any of those three requests, I'm going to ask you to slip out of your seat right now and come forward. And as you come, Chasen, if you're willing to come forward. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. If you need a touch, there's a healer in the house today. There's a restorer in the house today. Mountains have to move. Situations have to change. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Just stay in this atmosphere of praise. Just begin to worship the Lord in your seat right where you are. Right where you are. Right where you are. Praise you, Lord. 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 Lord, we thank you that you already know the need.
For those of you in your seats right now, just begin to lift up the name of Jesus. Stretch your hands forth to those people who are up front. Maybe you say, I'm not in the middle of the storm, but you see that your brothers and sisters are, so lift your hands towards them and begin to pray. Begin to thank God in advance for answers coming, for miracles happening, for victory, for healing after healing after healing, for God's goodness to manifest. Praise you, Lord. 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 Lord, we declare right now, by your stripes, we were healed. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead now quickens or brings life to our mortal bodies. We declare health in the name of Jesus. Lord, we lift up our finances to you. Everyone in here has a financial need, Lord. We lift it to you and we say, you are our provider. You shall meet every one of our needs. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. You are good. And we thank you in advance that every need is met, every bill is paid, and every debt is erased. Lord, we lift up relationships to you. Lord, we ask for peace in homes. We ask for joy and strength in homes. We ask for restoration power. We lift up our children to you right now, Lord. We thank you for your healing upon our children. We thank you for wisdom in our children. We thank you for leaders like Chasen and so many others who are not willing to waver on the truth of the word, who are instilling into our youth and our children the truth of the word. And we thank you in advance, Lord, for a Caleb generation. And Lord, we thank you right now that what you've begun, you are faithful to finish. Doesn't matter if it takes 18 years, doesn't matter if it takes 45 years. We will not waver, but we will put our faith and our trust in you. And our confession will always be to glorify you. So Heavenly Father, as we close this service, we thank you and we praise you for what you're doing. We thank you for the testimonies that are coming in of miracle after miracle after miracle. We thank you, Lord, that what the world said was impossible is possible with you. We thank you and we praise you in advance for what you're going to do in each and every life, in each and every family that came forward today. And we give you the praise in advance as though it's already done. In Jesus' precious name, and we all said, Amen, amen. God bless you. We love you, and we will see you tonight.